Blog Talk Radio. All we say to America is be true to what you're saying on paper. If I lived in China or even Russia or any totalitarian country, maybe I could understand some of these illegal injunctions. Maybe I could understand the denial of certain basic First Amendment privileges because they haven't committed themselves to that over there. But somewhere I read of the freedom of assembly. Somewhere I read of the freedom of speech. Somewhere I read of the freedom of press. Somewhere I read that the greatness of America is the right to protest for rights. So just as I say we aren't going to let any dogs or water hoses turn us around, we aren't going to let any injunction turn us around. and gentlemen of America, this is AJC Radio, where we bring the message of justice all around the world. Tonight is no exception as we continue part two of the really the ex- really exposing a politician by the name of Senator Michael Bennett. We talked a little bit a week ago, a couple weeks ago uh, in regards to uh, last week in regards to his conduct in regards to voters here in Colorado. And really standing really against his own constituents. Uh, and going as far as to say that some African Americans and folks marching around his offices in Denver to protest injustice uh, was told that they were not his constituents. Uh, Michael Bennett followed up with that with a town hall meeting a week ago. And I'll tell you what, he was everything as Hollywood could make him. Nothing real, nothing authentic, simply selling a game, hoping the American people would buy it. We deal with part, we deal with part two tonight, exposing a politician, the true Michael Bennett. 
Hang on, folks. We take off right now. And there you have it. I'm Lamont Banks, along with Cliff Stewart, Kendrick Barnes, Sampson Riddle, Dennis Merritt, and William Williams, Lisa Stewart, and the entire AJC radio team tonight as we take a look again as last week, Dennis, was one of those shows that you just had to take a look at. And it is troubling what we have seen, the calls that we received in regard to Michael Bennett. And I was anxious to observe him at the town hall talking complete opposite of who he really is as far as caring for the American people. And uh, definitely uh, the constituents here in Colorado was just a, a really boring show as I saw it, that uh, he's just talking what sounds good. And we know without, without, without a doubt, uh, he means nothing that he says. Yeah. It's not, it's not about his constituents. It's not about uh, the people of Colorado. It's really not about America. I mean, this guy looks like he's just trying to, uh, you know, get into a position. His whole thing is to beat Trump. Uh, that's not how it works. It's what are you going to do for the American people? And then to not be able to get out there and speak up and speak against things, uh, talking about how quiet he is. He likes to do things, you know, not in the public but in the background. That's not how a, presidents work, a president works. They need to get out there. I mean, you know, work for the constituents, do what needs to be done to make this country better. And in order to do that, first, you get you need to start in Colorado, which he has not done. So I, I tell you, it's going to be a rough road. I don't see him making president anyway, but I tell you, we need to put it out there and let people understand that you're, you've got a, 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 a person running for president that could care less about his constituents, especially uh, those of color. And that's sad to say. But when, you know, you got people outside your office protesting and you say, these are not my constituents and they are from Colorado and they're seeking your, your assistance and you do absolutely nothing. Well, I'll tell you right now, folks, tonight we're going to look at the other side of Michael Bennett uh, and dealing with the death of Luana Banks Clark, which I believe, and people may not like this, your failure to act. Your failure to do what is in your power to do actually causes the stress, causes the hopelessness that people feel within the criminal justice system right now. LaWanna Banks-Clark was under such pressure, so unhappy with what was going on, not only what happened to her brother, David Banks, not only what happened to the other guys of the RP, uh, RP5, uh, the constant abuse at the Bureau of Prisons, the revocation uh, of my visits, Lawana was not here for that. Shortly after her death, they illegally revoked my visits. Without cause, we reached out to Senator Bennett's office, to Annie Oatman Gardner, his uh, main person down here at the Colorado Springs offices. One promise after another broken. And I'm trying to sit here, even to the death of my sister, when we cried out to you for help, when you refused David Banks a furlough, we cried out again to the offices of Senator Bennett, will you do something? Nothing was done, and everything was set aside. We're going to deal with all of that tonight. You're going to hear from uh, a clip from LaWanna Banks-Clark, 
You're going to hear from people who took it upon themselves that when they heard the injustice, felt compelled to move. The question tonight for this show, where was Senator Bennett? Why was he silent? Why did he remain in the shadows doing nothing? We explore that tonight. On the other side of the break, we come back, ladies and gentlemen, the uncovering of a politician in its worst fashion. His name is Senator Michael Bennett. This is AJC Radio. We'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, can I ask you a question? Did you know that there are over 2.4 million people behind bars in the United States? I'll ask you one more question. Were you aware that that is the highest number of people behind bars in the entire world? The United States makes up of only 5% of the world's population, but we have over 25% of the world's prison population. America prides itself on being the most advanced and progressive nation on earth. However, sadly, we are also the world's most archaic. I'm gonna give you a personal invitation to get involved with the fight against mass incarceration. Take a few moments to call 1-855-529-4252 That is a just cause, and we fight for justice. Again, call a just cause today. Don't delay. Call 1-855-529-4252. It is time, and I say high time, that we take America's incarceration seriously. Won't you join us? Call today. Over a million people are sitting in the prisons of America for nonviolent offenses. That's why I'm asking you to join the American Civil Liberties Union and help us in the fight to end mass incarceration. We spend over $80 billion a year incarcerating people. Alternatives to prison, like community service, drug treatment, and rehabilitation costs less and can turn lives around. It's time for fair justice. It's time for smart justice. And we need your help. does our justice system get it wrong convicting innocent people of crimes they did not commit a new project by the university of michigan law school and the center for wrongful convictions at northwestern university school of law tries to answer that question in the last 23 years more than 2,000 people have been convicted of serious crimes and later exonerated according to the national registry of exonerations by far the largest segment was almost 1,200 defendants falsely convicted because of large-scale patterns of police corruption, generally in drug and gun cases. 
defendants. Of the remaining 873 defendants exonerated, nearly half were wrongly convicted of murder, and of that group, 101 were sentenced to death. On average, it took more than 11 years for a conviction to be set aside. Why does the justice system get it wrong? In homicides, the biggest problem is perjury and false accusation, most often by supposed eyewitnesses. False convictions in adult rape cases are primarily based on mistakes by eyewitnesses, while false convictions in child sex abuse cases are often for fabricated crimes that never occurred. 2,000 exonerations may seem small in a nation with more than 2.3 million people behind bars, but there are far more false convictions than the report contains. Most false convictions are never formally challenged, and those convictions that are successfully overturned receive little or no attention from the media, according to the report's authors. I wanted to be in the military since I was was a kid. I served in the United States Air Force. I served a total of 16 years. I was deployed uh, 13 times. On my second deployment, four bombs hit my vehicle. And at 19 years old, that's the first time I ever saw somebody die. Coming back, I was raging. I started having pretty horrible nightmares. I would wake up in the middle of the night, sweats. I started drinking a lot. I felt worthless. I guess I never recognized it in myself. Eventually, one day, I just walked into the VA hospital and said I'd like to see somebody. Don't suffer alone. you got to find that link with somebody that will make you let it go. It all starts with going to the VA. There's a whole community of veterans that just want to help you out. It's for the guys who couldn't come back, so you owe it to them to live well because they're not here with their families. Michael Bennett, you may know him as Senator Bennett, a gentleman that has the qualifications of a top-notch actor from Hollywood. He puts on a show. He tries to act as if he's just a normal American and that we can identify with Senator Bennett. I'll tell you right now, ladies and gentlemen, that's the joke of the hour, the joke of the day, if you will, that Michael Bennett is a disgrace to the office in which he sits. I'll tell you the story. Annie Oatman Gardner was sitting in the Colorado Springs offices here for Senator Bennett's office. At that time, one of the RP5 inmate, David Banks, who is at Florence ADX camp for a crime he didn't commit. Before that happened, he walked in that office and requested help from Annie Oatman Gartner, who, my understanding of the story, became emotional. That what had happened to these men, known as the IRP-6 at the time, was unjust. Made that statement. David Banks say that she was so sorry that this had happened we turned the clock up 
some years later, myself goes into the office of Annie Oatman Gartner pleading for help for the injustice suffered by the IRP-5. Her words to me was, I remember your brother. It's so horrible what has happened to them. I didn't believe that they were guilty of what they were accused of. Those were from her mouth to my ears, thinking in some way that we have found some answers. Perhaps she's willing to fight on our behalf, only to realize it was a stall tactic, not to tell me anything, but to string me along to believe that Senator Michael Bennett was concerned that he cared about the cry of the families who have suffered this injustice. After dealing with Annie Oatman Gartner for quite some time, not only about the injustice and the wrongful conviction, but also the abuse at BOP, bringing to her attention the acts of retaliation, the acts of action taken by this prison, which was against protocol, illegal, violation of civil rights of these men and their families, family members being harassed, every email, every statement, every complaint we sent to her. And it's documented. Always putting us off. Well, we'll get back with you, Lamont. We're looking into it, Lamont. We can't really call them and ask them anything, but we'll try then to go as far as a furlough regarding David Banks, Lawana Banks Clark, the death of her, her sudden passing, who visited David Banks every other Saturday. The entire time they were wrongfully convicted and locked up at Florence Prison Camp. I said to her, Will you please do something? My brother wants to come home and to bury his sister. This isn't a high-security facility. It's a camp. There are no barbed wires. There are no fences. And David Banks, along with the other IRP-5, in good standing, model inmates. And according to the BOP policy, they adhered specifically that there was no reason that David Banks could not be furloughed for his sister's funeral, to be with his family, that they even stated they gave up to 30 days if needed, if not longer, for what they call an administrative furlough. Nothing happened. They take another step. I'm in the visitation room, visiting my brother. Counselor Weish of the Florence Prison Camp faculty comes into the visitation room harassing and violating the rights again of inmates there. In this case, one of the RP5, Clint Stewart tells him he is unable to stand with his daughter. 
on his feet. Simply stretching his legs, as everybody does in that visitation room. Folks are walking to the vending machines. They're looking outside. They got their kids in their arms, standing. But on this particular day, and for the last seven years, they have violated the law. I go up to the counter. I tell the guard, I'd like to speak to Mr. Weiss, please. Mr. Weiss comes out. He says, Mr. Banks, go with me this way, please. He takes me outside of the visitation room. We have a conversation. It couldn't be longer than 15 to 20 seconds. I offered him my card. I remained professional. This is outside again of the visitation room, outside in front of the facility. He says, I don't want your card. I know who you are. Okay. I said, I got one question for you. Can you show me a posted operational rule that says this gentleman can't stand up and stretch his legs? I need to see that in writing because it's a violation of his rights. I'm not talking to you, he said. My words to him was, then we'll have you talk to Washington. Little did we know the Bureau of Prisons of Washington, D.C. is another joke. They're just a building. They're just a building. They do absolutely nothing. That's why is why we went to Senator Bennett. Will you contact this facility? He has the power to. And tell them to pull the tapes. Because here's what happened. Three days later, I get an email from the warden saying that I disrupted the visitation room, that I was using profanity, and I disrupted other families doing their visits. And because of it, your visitation is revoked. They revoked my visitation. I asked one simple question to Senator Bennett's office. I said, will you tell them to pull the tapes to corroborate their story of the allegations against me? If you see me on a tape, Disrupting that visitation room? You ain't got to worry about kicking me out. I'd never come back. They never pulled the tape. They never sent a request. The only request they sent, Mr. Banks is asking that the tape be pulled. But it was not pushed. Because when I went back to Annie, I said, what is going on? She went weeks, months without calling me. This is the question tonight for this show. Where... Is Senator Bennett. Where is the backup of all the trash you talked in Atlanta a week ago? There's nothing backed up here. Then he makes the statement, I, I wanted to thank the people of, of what, I think he had a, a, a town hall in South Carolina as well. Uh, I'd like to thank the people of South Carolina and their hospitality and for feeding me grits. But you have nothing to say to Colorado constituents outside of your office marching and their right to protest injustice while you're talking about grist and hospitality. Six men are locked up behind a wall because you failed to act. The question tonight, again, where's Senator Bennett? Where's the town hall Hollywood slick guy? That had a production. Where is he? Where is he when LaWanna Banks Clark was dying? 
from a massive brain clot because of pressure of injustice. You are culpable, Senator Bennett, in the death of LaWanna Banks Clark because you failed to act when you could have. No getting around it, Samson. Yeah, just sitting here listening to everything, and you're absolutely correct. I mean, we've talked in the show about collateral damage and everything else like that, and the fact of the matter is, is either his actions or failures to act absolutely have contributed to every single thing that you've listed out from the wrongful imprisonment and remaining wrongful imprisonment of the IRP5 to the pressure that was put on the entire bank's family and their supporting families, the church organization. I mean, every single bit of it, it's true. But the, here we see some guy that wants to identify himself as, as a, I'm a moderate Democrat. No, you're not. You're playing the middle of the road. You're a character of opportunity. You're a liar. And all you're going to do, he, he's like some snake oil salesman you know, from back in the day. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. This is going to work. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And next thing you know, he's out the picture. He's only in there talking what he has to talk to try and get the votes and get on and keep moving on. He's not about anybody but Senator Bennett. And the sooner people wake up to that and realize that, the sooner that this man can hopefully get kicked off the presidential trail because, God forbid, somebody like him wind up in that office. Well, and the question – go ahead, William. No, you know, I, I, was, I mean, to, to Samson's comments, I mean, I, I 100% agree. I'm sitting here thinking that – you know, they may go, They have awards for this, and one of the awards for our excellence in the Broadway performance is the Tony Award. That's what he got. I mean, I, that's what he deserves. It's a show. It's a show that he's been putting on for the camera. And so when you look at this, he's like, he's just saying the things that he feels is necessary to sway people one way or another. We sit here as constituents of Colorado. He has done nothing for us. He has, he has not voiced an opinion. We haven't seen or heard anything. And so and what we're talking about here is when we have demonstrated, when we go to your office and say, hey, listen, you are our representative. We need you to represent us in this situation. He's a no-show. And so he's going to be a no-show for the people of the country, and people need to wake up for him. We can't get him to do anything for us. What you talked about, I mean, these were, these were known cases situations we said here this is what's going on can you look into this for us you are our representative you have the you have the capability of doing this we can't get anybody in uh in the doj to help us can you look at this crickets and that's you know and we we deserve better we really do well i'll tell you what when you have four members of congress hank johnson congressman hank johnson uh, Je- Congressman Gerald Colbert, Congressman Danny Davis, Congressman Benny Thompson, say to us, Congressman Danny Davis said, I will lead a letter to the Department of Justice asking what is going on with this case. That's from multiple meetings on Capitol Hill, multiple talks with members of Congress, of the Judiciary, of the Oversight Committee, saying we will do something, and drafted that letter, Cliff, drafted it, sent it where it needed to go, and you turn around. They're asking, where's your representative? That's the question tonight. Where is Senator Bennett? Where's Congressman Lambert? Where's
there's any representative from the state of Colorado that said, we will take a look. Why does that is it take members of other states who we are not their direct constituents, we are there as a body, said we need to do something. We need to look at this. Where is Senator Bennett doing nothing? Tonight what you're going to hear as we get forward into this interview, uh, uh, to the show rather, we're going to bring some interviews of folks that compelled, felt compelled to speak out. And before every clip, I'm going to tell you, where was Senator Bennett? After every clip, where was Senator Bennett? Why were these other people compelled? Why did they feel a sense of urgency for these guys? To this day, while we fight for their release, where is our senator? And, and that's a good question because you know why the other senators and representatives helped? Because they cared and they felt. When you don't have the capacity to feel for another human being, that's a problem. And then you say, but I want to represent you. Well, then how do you represent the people of your state if you don't have a feel for what happens? You need empathy from the farmer out in the, in the, in the plains to the person that dwells in the city to your all races of people that live in your state. You should try to feel what they're going through. And all that I hear and that I've experienced from Senator Bennett, he doesn't have that feeling. Even when he's on television, he doesn't come across. You don't feel him. You don't. You don't see the passion. You don't feel the realness. And when you're not real, you can't feel for real people. And that's why you didn't hear nothing from him. That's my belief. Oh, I agree with you, Kendrick. Here, I'll tell you what. When somebody is, has died, died, in your office, you have the power as a senator in the United States Congress to inquire and to hold the Bureau of Prisons accountable. Why then have you denied Mr. Banks the right to bury his sister? While weeks later you let a man go out on a furlough for simply R&R to spend time with his wife. And Kendrick, what was the, t- what was the amount of time he got to spend with his family? Uh, no, no, no. No, not David. The guy that. Oh, okay. That, you're talking about the guy that yes. was that got the furlough. I am not sure, but he. I think he got the whole weekend. A weekend. A whole weekend. That's two days, Saturday and Sunday. And they come back with eight hours for David Banks, when he has to travel two hours. No time to go to the funeral, the entombment, to be there with his family. Then on top of that, you take his brother from his visitation at the time most critical to the Banks family. This is inhumane. We were talking a little bit about Luana Banks-Clark. Perhaps. Had the senator taken an interest on that day when they're marching around his office? Perhaps. Pressure would not have been as much. It took the life of Luana Banks Clark. Perhaps we wouldn't be having a discussion about a furlough. We wouldn't be having a discussion about six men being locked up. Perhaps had he looked into the matter, 
from the first time David Banks walked into Annie Oatley Gardner's office and pleaded with her for help from the senator. Perhaps we're not having this discussion tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Lawana Banks Clark, perhaps, could have been here. That's the reality. Nobody wants to look at that. Nobody wants to, let's not deal with that. Senator Bennett, you are culpable for remaining silent. Right now, we're going to hear from Luana Clark, Banks Clark, for arriving to prison. Perhaps, Senator Bennett, you could have helped that from ever happening. Let's hear from Luana. I was at home um, that evening. Uh, it was before. It was. Was it after Christmas? Yeah, I think it was after Christmas. And um, and when I op- I saw the letter that said, um, I saw the letter that had the bureau. Bureau of Prisons on it, and uh, God, I didn't think I still was feeling it. And I just looked at it and held it in my hand, and I opened it, and it said to report March 1st. I didn't even want to tell my mother, or I wanted to act like it didn't really happen. I was hoping never to see it. And when I did, uh, I had to tell my mom, I think I told her the next morning that mom, I got the letter to report. And and she just said, well, we're going to fight. You're not going to prison. But we're going to do what we have to do. And we did do what we had to do. But after all that, it still uh, came to naught because these people were determined to put me in prison. I remember when I first got there, uh, sitting in this room, waiting for the chaplain to come in after my brother and sister had dropped me off. And and I sat there and I looked up to God and I said, I got to be strong. You got to help me to be strong because I have to stand up the, w- the way my mother taught me all my life. And this was a it was a very d- difficult time, I, and, and I, I really feel like I only got through it because God was with me right. to be out of church, to be away from friends and family, to be – I couldn't call them the first night. That that bothered me really bad. It was – but I did – I saw so much wrong being in, in that prison camp with these ladies, and so many of them that shouldn't have been there, and I got to know so many so many ladies. I was, I was very loved and respected while I was there, but I, I just, you see so much of the injustice. You see the, the unfairness. You see the, the the abuse and the and the pressure that's put on these ladies. I mean, it's just, it's cruel things that you'd be thinking, why would you do such a thing? Why would you get people up in the middle of the night and tell them to get outside in the yard and go, we got to look for look through this. And, look, and there was nothing they were looking for. It, it was all about we just want once you get here we want to oppress you and 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 abuse you and mistreat you and try to take away any kind of dignity that you had that you have at all 
There you have it. The question is, again, where are you, Senator Bennett? Where were you? MIA in the time of crisis of your constituents. The very brother that dropped her off at that prison with his sister was David Banks, one of the RP5. David was not yet in custody, was never not yet convicted at that time. But they pled for help from you. You did nothing. Dennis, when you hear that, it breaks my heart. Because here's the thing. I can't stress this enough. If you have the power to do something, then why not do it? I don't understand. If you have the power to pick up a phone and say, I have a question. What's going on with this? It's, 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 it's amazing because, you know, you once said that all you were, all, all, the only thing that was being asked of Senator Bennett was to inquire. That's the killer. Inquire. Just, just, just look into it. Just see, see what we're saying to you. See if there's any merit to it. That's all we're asking. And a senator is unwilling to inquire. That's that's amazing. It makes no sense to me how I don't get it. I don't get it. The abuse at the Bureau of Prisons. Throwing David Banks into the hole. Taking his money from him. Taking his commissary. Mistreating his family members. Harassing the loved ones. I don't get it. And every occasion, taking their Bibles from them, forcing them to take medication they didn't that they were uncomfortable in taking, violating their religious rights. Every situation, every incident was taken to the bench to the senator's office. We went to Capitol Hill, we stood in the offices of Senator Bennett. Talking to his higher people there, where he disappeared out of nowhere, refused to talk to his, these constituents yet again. He refused. There's got to be something. There's got to be something that protects the citizens of this country from monsters like this. You're nothing less with a crying heart, the crying 
tears of children wanting their father to come home. And we're asking our official, would you please inquire? When you got officers at the prison putting their hands on minors, would you ask Senator Bennett, would he please inquire? When a mother's heart is up there, a pastor who has taught respect of the system, who has taught respect of the laws of the land to their mem- to her members. We ask the senator to inquire. When the same pastor thought to do something kind, they fought her. We had to go through so many changes because they didn't want us to hug our brothers. She is clergy. And I'm speaking of Pastor Banks to these men who are behind that wall. The fights we had to fight there. The threats that were made to the family. The visit revocation that was threatened to the family. We asked you, Senator Bennett, will you inquire? Will you please inquire? Would you put a stop to this type of harassment and injustice? Senator Bennett, the question tonight, where were you and where are you now? Because you are doing nothing. You are doing nothing. The pastor said it best on one of the shows. She said, he has to be a part of it. He, he, he can't be the solution or can't assist in providing a solution because he's part of the problem. It's in some way, somehow, he's had something to do with these guys being falsely you know, imprisoned. You have no other alternative or inferences to draw when it's in your power to do something. And you do not do some, nothing Something is going to be questioned. Yes. Something is going to be asked. And even to the point, you know, most senators and representatives, the first thing they do, they're going to advocate for business in their own state. So if you knew that, you know what, uh, the IRP software solution had a potential to bring a lot of jobs to this state. And the senator doesn't care even from that standpoint to say, you know what, I need to see what's going on here because – these are our constituents that are trying to do something good, and this could bring uh, be a benefit to the state. And yet he he says nothing. He doesn't care, and not even to inquire. So I, I agree with Dennis Dennis and with Pastor Banks in saying that he had to have to be a part of it because you're not doing your basic job of representing your people and over and oversight to make sure that the constituents that are directly under your purview are treated fairly under the law. And and with dignity and, and, you know, with respect. And so that he sits back and says anything, your silence speaks louder than any word he can ever say. No, absolutely right. On the other side of the break, folks, I took to Senator Bennett's office the report of the death of Michael Anderson. That there was something that went on in that prison that caused the life of this man. Senator Bennett was nowhere to be found. I said this man was murdered. Does that, will that jar the senator from his death? 
This was a constituent murdered in a prison in his state. He did nothing. He said nothing. He inquired of nothing. I'll say to you tonight, Senator Bennett, you do not have the right to remain silent. People are in body bags tonight because you failed to act. This is AJC Radio. We'll be right back. Hey guys, I'm Jordan Sparks. I'm Chase Crawford. Hey, what's up? It's Usher. Hi, I'm Rachel Dawson. I'm Hayden Christensen. I'm Peyton Manning. Hey, we're Fall Out Boy. I'm Dude Archuleta. I'm Corbin Blue. I'm Kristen Bell. And we're the Jonas Brothers. Do something good for your community. Reuse bags and bottles and always recycle. Help us collect a million pounds of food. Help people prepare for natural disasters. Do something about homelessness. Anyone could be a rock star in their community. So then do something. Do something. Do something. Do something. Visit dosomething.org to find out how. Here are 50 white guys. Here are 50 black guys. Here's how many white guys can expect to go to prison in their lifetime. The chances amount to one out of 17. Now here's how many black guys can expect the same thing. The chances are one out of three. Why? Lots of reasons. It's complicated. But one thing is clear. There's racial bias at every level of the criminal justice system. When blacks and whites commit the same kind of crimes, blacks are more likely to be arrested. Once arrested, they're more likely to be convicted. Once convicted, they're more likely to serve longer sentences. Look at the numbers in America's so-called war on drugs. About 14% of American drug users are black, as are about a quarter of drug sellers. Yet blacks are 34% of the people arrested for drug crimes. And those convicted of drug crimes, 46% are black. By the time we factor in sentencing, there are actually more black drug offenders than white ones in state prisons and in federal prisons. In the end, the incarceration rate for drug crimes is 10 times higher for blacks than it is for whites. These are the facts. Racial disparity in America's war on drugs is one big reason that one out of three black men can expect to go to prison in their lifetime. Do you have a big brother? Well, I have a big brother, and I'm pretty sure that you and I experience some of the same things with a big brother. Big brothers will always be big brothers, right? I'm sure you'll agree. Well, my brother gets up in the morning. He takes a shower, heads to work, and at some point during the day, he's going to exercise and get that workout, as we all do. And, of course, depending on what's going on, he's going to sit down for two or three meals during the course of his day. And also, depending on what else is going on, he'll probably get caught up on current events and maybe take a few moments to turn a page in a book. How about your big brother? Some of the same stuff, right? Oh, did I mention that my big brother does all of that stuff, but he actually has to have permission a lot of times before he can do it. You see, my big brother was wrongfully convicted of a crime that he did not commit. That's right. That may sound shocking, huh? He's in prison. Wrongful convictions impact families in ways you cannot begin to imagine. But I've decided that I'm going to do something about it. 
And I extend an invitation to you to come on board and join me in this fight. You see, I'm helping to be a voice for my big brother and others who have been wrongfully convicted. We'd like you to take a few moments today and call a just cause where we fight for justice. You can call us toll free at 1-855-529-4252. That's 1-855-529-4252. Join with us as we fight for justice and for all big brothers across the land. The criminal justice system has a set of rights created to protect you. But do you think it's really protecting us? You had a right to remain silent. But that really means you had a right to be silenced, doubted, interrogated, suspected. The color of your skin can and will be used against you in the court of law. And their hands were incarcerated five times more often than white people convicted for the same crimes. You have a right to attorney during questioning. In some states, 80% of criminal defendants can't even afford an attorney. So an overworked public defender controls your fate. One government employee, countless lives at stake. You had a right to be innocent until proven guilty. But somehow, about 47% of the wrongly convicted are black. And if they do prove you're guilty, they're going to write you a run-on sentence. On average, 20% longer than white defendants accused of the same crime. Even if you get out, you're still not free. When you're an ex-con, they had a right to deny you a bank account, deny you a mortgage, deny you a job, deny your vote. And if you don't remain perfect with the smallest slip-up, smallest infraction, the most honest mistake, you're going to join us, the 80% who come back to prison within five years, as I did. That's when you realize they didn't bring us here to thrive. They brought us here to build this. The plantation and the prison are actually no different. The past is the present. It ain't no coincidence. This was the plan since abolition, to keep us subjugated by creating this system. But I believe in a different set of rights. The right to stand up and be heard. The right to perform a broken justice system and build a new future. We had the right to be silent. Now it's our right to speak up. Do you understand these rights as I read them to you? Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to AJC Radio. Tonight, as we have ruffled a few feathers along the way in this conversation tonight, I can tell you right now, as advocates for justice, there are things that you are going to have to address that many will not like. Teresa Evington on social media has stated that She has known Mr. Bennett for 13 years, and this is untrue. 
I have a couple of questions for Teresa. Were you there at the march in Denver, Colorado, when constituents marched and protested, which is their constitutional right? Were you there? Were you there during the conversations in Senator Bennett's office with Annie Oatman Gardner, telling me to my face that these men should not be where they are? Teresa, were you there at the time when we reached out to Senator Bennett's office at a time and the passing of my sister, LaWanna Banks-Clark, suddenly taken, and we pleaded with his office to do something in granting a furlough to David Banks to mourn the loss of his sister. Were you there for that? As you defend Senator Bennett, you say you know him personally. I got news for you. We know him personally, too, because he failed to act on our behalf. And until injustice visits your front door, you'll never understand what we're talking about. And we're not saying you don't have the right to say what you say. This is what makes America what it is. You're entitled to believe in Senator Bennett. We're entitled not to. And you know, Lamont, this is not our opinion. I mean, this this happened. We have witnesses. We have certified letters that were sent to Senator Bennett's office uh, asking about inf- inquiry into this situation that were never, never answered. Signed for, delivered, never answered. We have a group of people who sat in Senator Bennett's office, got on a, a conference video call with his lead counsel, asking if we could discuss this situation. Lead counsel came on ruder than anything in the world and expressed to the whole room full of constituents. This is prior to a march or a protest. This was saying, Senator Bennett, can you help us? Can you do an inquiry into this situation? Lee counsel told us that uh, Senator Bennett had expressed to me, you're not his constituents. You have no right to make a request of him. I was there. There are about 20 other people in the room that were there. This whole conversation is recorded. So uh, the young lady who on social media, Teresa Everington, that you want to say this is not true about Senator Bennett, I beg to differ. You know why I beg to differ? Because I was in the room. You can say you knew him for 13 years. What you have to realize and what you have to come to grips with is you thought you knew who Senator Bennett was. You thought you knew who this man was personally. You thought you understood and comprehended his character. You thought he was a man of integrity. You thought he was your friend. But now you're going to have to come to grips with it tonight that these people, uh, rather the reason may be of color or the pure fact that Senator Bennett does not give a crap about the constituents of Colorado State. That's what you are going to have to deal with tonight. And, and my, I would like to challenge her, too, to do this. You know what? Ask him about it. Go, you're his friend. You know him personally. Exactly. Get him on the phone. Say, hey, this is what they're saying about you, Senator Ben. Is that true? Did you tell them that they're not your constituents? Ask him. 
and invite him tonight to call in and refute anything that we are saying. We will gladly take his call, but I bet you, as the old saying goes, a dime to a dozen donuts, he will not pick up that phone. And that's exactly right. And like I said, look, everybody's entitled to believe what they want. We are, as Cliff just alluded, these are the facts in which human beings lived and went through. There's always a circle of friends and family that this facade that's put on by Senator Bennett, just as it was at the town hall in Atlanta last week, we are advocates for justice. And if you think anything is less as far as what we should be doing, we would fail as advocates not to call out this type of behavior. We will not rest, and it's just not Senator Bennett. It's anybody, any place we find injustice, we must call it out. This case, Senator Bennett has given, was given multiple opportunities to do the right thing, to sit down with us while his colleagues sit down with us. He had opportunities here. So, cry me a river on that one. Poor Michael Bennett. No, poor the family who have suffered at the hand of injustice because of his actions. We feel for them. They're not they don't have a Senate office on Capitol Hill. When they're crying themselves to sleep at night, wishing for another day with their loved one. When David Banks sits behind the wall grieving the loss of his sister, Lawana Banks-Clark could have been avoided. Possibly had Senator Bennett acted. Had he took them seriously the day David Banks walked in that office that day. Spare me this stuff. We live it. And we're living it right now. And if you weren't present at those meetings, you have no right to judge us. Or our pain. Or our expectation from our elected officials. You have no right. And, and and I'm sure he probably is a great friend uh, to the late on social media. He's probably a really wonderful friend. But AJC is a friend of justice. And so you may have access to him, and he treats you right, but does he treat anyone outside of his friendship circle right? Does he treat people outside of his family right? He, he chose to say, I'm a senator, and I'm going to represent the state of Colorado and its people, all the citizens of Colorado. That means me. That means David Banks. Luana Clark, her family, they got friends. They would like to see justice. They just like to see fairness. And just the courtesy to say, you know what? I'm going to remember that what if this happened to one of my friends, if I was Senator Bennett? How would I react? Would I, would I tell them, hey, you're not my constituent? No, because I would feel that I wouldn't want that happening to any of my friends. But he told us we are not his constituents. In, in, and basically, i.e., we're none of his concerns. He does not care. It is, it, and it is what it is, Kendra. That's the bottom line here, William. You know, I, I was sitting there saying, if we could just, just some action. You know what I'm saying? Just some kind of action from on your behalf to say, hey, listen, what are these people are are, are what they saying is real? What is what is the 
you know, I need to find out. I need to find out what's going on in the in the IRP six case or IRP five case. I need to find out what's going on with David Banks. I need to find out what's going on with Luana Clark. These are my constituents. I mean, you know, and, and just some kind of action, something that says, you know what, I care. Something that says that these are my constituents. They are obviously in an uproar. Let me get involved. I mean, that's what we send them to office for. If we elected this person to represent us to get involved in these situations. These are happening on your doorstep. You don't listen to us here. Go to Washington. You're running around, play ghost. So what is it going to take for you, Senator Bennett, to get involved with your people? But it goes back to both Kendrick's point and Cliff's point. You just don't care. Maybe it's the color of their skin. We don't make enough money. We that contribute to your, you know, I don't know, election. We voted. We voted for you. Well, I'll tell you what. It's very easy as you go home at night. Your family's there. The holidays are there. The summer is here. And you're having functions with your family. It's so easy to say, what's the big deal? Why are they talking about Senator Bennett? He failed to do his job. Now, if he wasn't a senator and he wanted to be racist in his home and didn't want to deal with African-Americans, she's right. You could do that. But there's a, there's, a, there's a problem here. You're in public service. And when you are elected to office, your representation is for every human being in the state of Colorado, the state you represent. So don't cry for Senator Bennett. This man made a choice to go into public service. If you look at his infomercials when he's running for office, he's going to tell you, man, I'm going to put food on the table. I'm going to help with education. All people. All people. Or my people. He's going to say that. He'll say what is politically correct that gets a vote. I came across a clip today of Senator Bennett. I want you to listen to this clip and then we're going to talk about it. To the clip. Uh, for those of you that have been coming to this for a long time, what about this weather today that we're having? For once, we're not freezing. It's not snowing. And it's a beautiful day. It's so wonderful to be with all of you. This is also the 31st day of the government shutdown. Your federal government has been shut. These federal employees need to be paid. They need to be put back to work. While the United States has been shut down, the Chinese have landed a spaceship on the dark side of the moon. Other countries are going forward, and we can't even keep our government open. And it goes back to what the imam said earlier. We can complain about all this, but that's not actually going to do anything. We have to do the work. And that's why we're here today, not just to march today, but to do the work 
every day. Frederick Douglass told us we can't take for granted what people did before. He said, your fathers have lived, died, and have done their work. He said, you have no right to wear out and waste the hard-earned fame of your fathers to cover your indolence. Dr. King told us, we cannot rest, he said. Laurels have not yet been earned. People like Wellington and Wilma Webb understood this. They paved the way for Joe Neguse and for the historic aid right here in Colorado. They set a standard for what it means to be a citizen in this republic, one that we all now need to meet. Because as Dr. King said, we cannot rest. The laurels have not been earned. We cannot rest until we build an economy that lifts incomes for everybody, not just a few. Can't rest until every kid in this country has the chance to go to a school that a United States senator would send their kid. We can't rest until every single American can sleep at night in a safe neighborhood and every migrant child is reunited with their parents. We have so much work to do, but I know, Denver, we can set an example for the rest of the country and the rest of the world as we do the work to keep Dr. King's dream alive. Thanks for being out here this morning. Are you kidding me right now? Let's give the senator a hand clap for a performance. A performance. Here's what I don't understand. Here's what I don't understand. You want to quote Dr. King about what the work that's not done? Well, quote Dr. King that injustice anywhere is injustice everywhere. Senator Bennett, if you want to live by the code of Dr. King, it was about the right to protest outside of your office that day. The right to protest injustice. That was the decree of Dr. King, that all men were created equal, whether they're black or white, red or yellow. You want to quote the doctor? Quote him correctly. And that kills me. You did everything against what the beliefs and values of Dr. King was in the civil rights movement. You have gone against every ounce of it. The day you sent a a representative out your office and said, these African-American people here are not your constituents. That is the opposite of the dream of Dr. King. But it's amazing to me how these politicians, regardless of their conduct, are quick to march on Martin Luther King Day. Because we need the Martin Luther King vote. That's right. It's actually amazing to me that, you know, he's, he's, he's on record as saying these people, referring to minorities, are not his constituents, but he wants to quote two, like you, like you mentioned, two very famous black reformists. Now, looking at Frederick, Frederick Douglass, it says the life he's he's on he's in our history books, saying the life 
of the nation is secure only while the nation is honest, truthful, and virtuous. And if that doesn't go against everything that Senator Michael Bennett is at his core as a human being, how dare he get out there and quote this man? Try to refer him for what? To put on the show, to get the vote, get in office, and disappear on on every single person that counts on him to represent them up in there, up there in Washington. I mean, and it's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, yeah, he's, he's right. The man's a great actor, absolutely a great actor, but he's a crap politician. He's a crap representative. And that's the bottom line, folks. And you can think what you want, say what you want. Uh, as Cliff alluded to perfectly earlier, he was there. I was in the office of Senator Bennett's representative in the city, Colorado Springs, on several occasions. We asked them to inquire why the furlough for David Banks was denied to put to rest his sister. Can somebody tell me why the prosecution for the government of the United States was contacted almost seven years later, to ask what their opinion was and should a furlough be granted to Mr. Banks, the same guy that prosecuted, and his words, and that's Matthew Kirst, AUSA at the time, said, no, I don't think so. Can somebody explain that to me? And then why does the senator not lift a finger even in the time of crisis and death in the life of his constituents, he remained silent still. False promises by Annie Oatman Gardner in the Colorado Springs offices, lie after lie after lie. Oh, and I made a call. I said, what is going on with my visitation with my brother's furlough? Oh, I understand. I'm so sorry. No, you're not. It's just production after production. They think the American people are stupid. We're not. We're not. And any tonight, if you are listening to this show, I'm sure you will hear it. Shame on you. You're culpable equally as Senator Bennett is. You have the power within your hand to act and you fail to do so. You are culpable. Period. This is AJC Radio. We'll be back on the other side of the break. Do you know anyone who's been sent to prison who's innocent? The United States is experiencing record numbers of exonerations in cases where people were wrongfully convicted of crimes they did not commit. If you believe that no one should be sent to prison for crimes they didn't commit, there is something that you can do today. By remembering a just cause with a monthly, annual, or one-time donation, you can help in the fight against wrongful convictions. Call a just cause at 855 529-4252 or visit a-justcause.com and click the donate button. A Just Cause is a 501c3. 
Wrongful convictions are wrong. Let's be the voice of those who can't speak from behind the wall. Look, right now, uh, while you're looking at this on your screen in your hand or on your computer, there's somebody just like you who's sitting in a prison cell. And they didn't do much more than you did, you know, some crazy weekend. You didn't get caught. They got caught. And they can never get uncaught. The United States of America is now the number one incarcerator of human beings in the world, in the history of the world. Uh, we have about 5% of the world's population. We have 25% of the world's prisoners. Um, we, are, we have more people locked up than China. China, who has a billion people, they got fewer prisoners than we do. You know, a lot of times people say, well, if you don't want to do the time, don't do the crime. Really? Have, have you ever committed a crime? You got people who are doing more drugs in, on college campuses, in uh, uh, yacht clubs, country clubs. We all know that's going on, but the SWAT team never shows up there. The SWAT team shows up in the housing projects where you got poorer people doing fewer drugs, and those people go to prison. But think about it. What if one of the times when you were breaking the law, when you had something illegal in your pocket, in your car, at your party, the police had kicked in those doors, would you want to be known for the rest of your life? based on what happened that night. That is what is happening to millions of people. If rich folks' kids get in trouble, they go to rehab. Poor folks' kids get in trouble, they go to prison. And you spend $100,000 per year per kid to lock a kid up. When you could have spent a fraction of that and turned them into a NASA scientist, turned them into a, a fashion icon. When people come home from prison, they're not given the opportunity to start over. You leave a physical prison and you go into a social prison where you can't get a job, you can't get a student loan, you can't rent an, rent an apartment. How are people supposed to start over? And what happens to neighborhoods when you take a disproportionate number of people out for minor offenses and you send them back home with no hope and no opportunity? There are no more excuses to have this horrible system continue when there is now finally bipartisan agreement that it is a tragedy to do this. Not only do you have President Obama and the Democrats, you now actually have uh, people like Paul Ryan, Koch Industries, Newt Gingrich, all saying the same thing. We are locking up too many people. We're wasting too much money. We're, we're wasting too much genius in America, and it's time to do something.
If your service-connected disability prevents you from continuing in your civilian career, Voc Rehab offers counseling, training with a living allowance, education, and other services to help prepare you for your next mission. Sergeant Michelle Garcia served meritoriously in Iraq and has the medals to prove it. Soon after leaving the Navy, Lieutenant Chris Scott found a job, a home, and started a family of his own. Corpsman Richard Stokely took the skills he learned in Vietnam and put them to good use as a paramedic. But soon after leaving the military, each of these veterans fell on hard times and faced homelessness. Even after Michelle lost all her savings, even after Chris wasn't able to pay his mortgage, and even after Richard battled alcoholism for years, they each reached out for help when they needed it most. A simple phone call put them in touch with a trained professional from the Department of Veterans Affairs. That call got Michelle a place to stay until she could afford one of her own, put Chris in touch with employment assistance, and found Richard a substance abuse program. These veterans are success stories not only for how they were able to help others while serving their country, but for how they were able to let others help them. If you know of or are a veteran in need, make the call. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to AJC Radio tonight as we have been having conversation about and asking really the question tonight, where is Senator Bennett in the time of crisis, in the time of trouble, in the time of injustice for his constituents? We have gotten mixed reviews of folks that defend the senator. Perhaps injustice has not knocked on your door as of yet. Perhaps you have not been faced with the rejection of an elected official in whom you thought believed in your plight. Perhaps you have not suffered the loss of a loved one as a result of injustice. Perhaps you really don't understand who Senator Bennett is at all. I can tell you tonight, we know exactly, not based upon opinion or hearsay or assumptions, but based upon the facts, based upon the statements, based upon the simple act of not caring, of not responding, based upon the pain suffered by the families that once believed in a system that cared. Tonight we continue that conversation about Senator Michael Bennett. And thus far, Samson, in this program tonight, I have been drawn to emotion and asked the question, what if? What if he would have responded. What if Senator Bennett would have simply taken five minutes on that day of protest to say, tell me what's going on? What if the day David Banks walked into Annie Oatman Gartner's office in Colorado Springs for Senator Bennett, what if in that moment somebody would have said, 
Let me hear what you have to say. What if LaWanna Banks Clark had not suffered the injustice he did? And Senator Bennett could have easily said, let's take a look. What if? Samson is the question. And Lamont, I think what if is actually a, it's a very great and pertinent question because truly, like you like it's been pointed out on the show tonight, it would have literally required a phone call from him, from his office to begin an inquiry. A phone call that would probably take less than five minutes of his time and would have changed the the course of events for not only the men of the IRP five, the families that are associated, you know, Lawana Banks Clark, the the entire church community that has been affected by the imprisonment, the wrongful imprisonment of these men, the death of a beloved sister, and you know, all this, all the collateral damage that has been caused by this simple inactivity of one selfish, self centered individual. And the more the more we sit here and talk about it, you you sit here and you learn about the true character uh, of who he really is. And it's absolutely disgusting the fact that he's lied his way into office, he's trying to lie his way into the presidency. And he truly does not care about anyone but himself and pushing his own agenda. An article I found about the um, the shooting that was in uh, the Highlands Ranch High School just maybe a month ago. That they politicized that him and Representative Jason Crow and the Moms Demand Action for Gunsons. They politicized that. The death of children. And they politicized it to the point that these them students, disgusted, got up and left. A vigil that had been organized by this same this same scumbag that is basically trying to use whatever he can as his own platform. But he wants to deny the fact of who his constituents really are. He wants to deny the fact of his responsibility of his office to step in and do what's right. Instead, now we're now we're left with heartache. And questions about what what could have really happened if he had actually just done his job. No, absolutely, William. You know, I, and and Samson pointed out the story, and I think this is key. This is this is key to understanding the person we're talking about. This happened about a month ago, the first of May. We and unfortunately, Highland, you know, Colorado has had experience with mass shooting. This was at the STEM school, uh, and they were having this vigil to honor Kendrick Castillo, who was fatally shot. They said about 30 minutes into this event, students, hundreds of students from the STEM school stormed out, uh, yelling, this is not us, political stunt, and we are people, not a statement. And this was a, this was a spotlight opportunity for Michael Bennett and Jason Crow uh, to basically politicize their agenda in the wake of this sh- mass shooting. When they were taking, the students were sitting there looking for healing and an opportunity for them just say, for a representative to say, I feel for you. I understand. That area of Colorado, we know it from Columbine. Here it is again. We had the, the Aurora Theater shooting in, in Colorado. These things have happened. This was an opportunity to heal. Instead of now, he takes, puts a political spin on it for his agenda. This was a month 
of go. I believe it act, actually it happened May 9th. So when you look at this, now you question what we're talking about. This was on USA Today. This was an opportunity as a representative for a state to reach out to these kids that now are going to be scarred for life. I think after this, there was one of the Columbine survivors had committed suicide after this. A long history. Where are you, Bennett? What is your motive? You're here seeking the spotlight for your agenda, and you do not care about the death, the loss. These kids are just started. They just they just started living. They haven't. They're not even adults. And now they're lost. Those that lost lives, parents that lost their children, students that lost their friends. I mean, we're talking about this. This is real serious stuff that happens to your constituents, and yet you're going to. Take the opportunity to to turn this into a political stunt with with a kid's life. That's what we're talking about, people. We're talking about this person who has he has received the votes of the of of us in Colorado and has not represented us one bit, and now has the audacity. To reach out and ask for donations for his presidential campaign, and you think he's going to do anything for the 300 plus million U.S. citizens here, and he won't do anything for those in Colorado, and even had enough nerve to take something as a child's death and turn it into a political stunt. It's 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 amazing to me. Well, when you talk about the RP six, known now as the RP five. Listen to this. Does Senator Bennett actually believe that a former federal appeals judge would lie about Judge Arguello and the prosecutor's mishandling of the case? It is disgraceful and cruel that Senator Bennett would allow innocent men to continue languishing in prison and leave Colorado families and their children hurting to protect Judge Arguello and prosecutors after they abuse them. After Senator Bennett spit in the face of his constituents and Judge Sarakin, actually Sarakin, a just cause took a dossier to members of Congress from other states. And this is what I was talking about earlier. Four members from the House of Representatives, including former judge from the Judiciary Committee and one from the House Oversight and Government Reform Committee, were so disturbed by the evidence in the dossier, they sent a letter in November of 2017 to the Department of Justice requesting answers to the serious allegations of misconduct in the dossier. The Department of Justice has yet to respond to that letter. Prior to the DOJ letter being sent, Senator Bennett was contacted again to see if he would join his colleagues and sign on the letter by the DOJ to the DOJ. But once again, he declined to help his own constituents. It is shameful that Coloradans had no support and were forced to seek help outside of the state. Even at that time, uh, Cliff, and you may recall that, uh, the offices of Danny Davis reached out to the Colorado representatives asking them, 
to join in the letter, he refused. And that, those are the things that just, you know, leave you just dumbfounded. Because here you have, after your constituents ask you, then you have another member of Congress that says, hey, I've looked at this. I'm going to send a letter because there's something going on, you know, a letter from my committee uh, with oversight. There's something going on. Would you sign on with me so that we have some representation from, you know, locally where these constituents come from? And for you to say no, how do you then say that you stand for the right and welfare and the uh, equality for, for all people? I mean, it, to to listen to Senator Bennett speak on stage, you know, put on his performance, his act, it. It is a slap in the face to not only, you know, uh, constituents and citizens from Colorado, but citizens to the United States. I mean, there's one thing to be a politician. You know, they go around, they kiss babies. They say, hey, we're going to help you do, you know, we're going to take care of the situation for you. Some of them, you know, say things that uh, are just there to get them voted. But when you just blatantly, blatantly come up with statements that are absolutely directly opposite of who you are and what you've you've shown yourself to be, how do you stand there and do that and expect for no one to challenge it? I mean, what what does Senator Bennett plan on doing when he gets challenged with the truth? The only thing he can do is what he continues to do is rebut with a lie. That's who he is. That's what he does. And we won't stand back and watch it. Uh, Just Cause's goal is to ensure that every single Coloradan is aware of how Senator Bennett abandoned these Colorado families in favor of protecting corrupt friends, the wives, children, mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, as well as Colorado Springs Fellowship Church members will hit the roads throughout Colorado to talk to other families and will be relentless on social media. We give you a forewarning, Senator, to all your supporters out there. Just Cause is just getting started. AJC will do press releases to each and every TV, radio station, and newspaper in Colorado. And AJC Radio will be dictating, dedicating, excuse me, numerous broadcasts as we are tonight to discuss Senator Bennett's lack of humanity. If Senator Bennett thinks for some strange reason that this movement to unseat him, to have him, number one, not even be considered for the presidency, and if he wants to go back to the United States Senate, we will do everything within our power to let others know that Senator Bennett is not who he says he is. And I believe every, not only Coloradan, every person across this country who would even think of voting him into the office of the presidency of the United States has a right to know the truth. And uh, as an advocate organization, we will not fail uh, to bring that message, not only to Colorado, but around this country. This is AJC Radio. We'll be right back. For a kid whose mom or dad is in prison, life is tough. 
Now, add a wrongful conviction to that. Life just got a little bit tougher. Trying to explain to friends why mom or dad is not at the school play or at the ball game is something that no kid should ever be faced with. Especially if mom or dad is innocent. Ladies and gentlemen, get involved today to stop the epidemic of wrongful convictions by remembering a just cause with a monthly, annual, or one-time donation, you can help in the fight against wrongful convictions. Call a just cause today, 1-855-529-4252. We seek justice for the children as they go to bed at night and mom's not there. Dad's not in the other room to make them feel safe. Not because dad or mom did anything wrong, because justice could not be found. Join us for the children, for they truly are our future. I've been getting mixed messages about women and violence. I need a little clarification. Uncle Bill, how am I supposed to grow up to respect women when I have such lousy role models? Boys are never going to approach you. Can you help me reshape my attitude towards women? You need to teach them that violence against women is wrong. When does it stop being partly cloudy and start being partly sunny? Why is the word abbreviation so long? Are English muffins just muffins in England? Why is it called a washing line and not a drying line? Do fish get thirsty? If ghosts can walk through doors, why don't they fall through floors? Do you yawn when you sleep? If prunes are dried plums, how do they make prune juice? Why do doctors leave the room when you change? They're going to see you naked anyway. Do bald chefs wear hairnets? How much deeper would the ocean be if all the sponges were taken out? Do you believe someone who says they're a chronic liar? Why is sandwich bread square and sandwich meat round? Life's full of hard questions. Ask one more. You might just save a lot. You can tell a lot about someone by what they spend their money on their priorities, their concerns, and their motives. Big Pharma says their top priority is research and development. They say that prescription drug costs are so high because they spend so much on research. But the simple truth is nine out of the 10 biggest pharma companies spend 50% more on advertising than they do on research and development. It's true, tens of billions more. The more they spend, clearer it becomes. Big Pharma's priorities are more ads, more sales, and higher costs to you. 
It's time for Big Pharma to get their priorities straight. Americans deserve open and honest prescription drug pricing. Let's solve the cost crisis now. Visit CSRXP.org. We have a big problem, and we need your help. It's happening on college campuses, at bars, at parties, even in high schools. It's happening to our sisters and our daughters. Our wives and our friends. It's called sexual assault, and it has to stop. We have to stop it. So listen up. If she doesn't consent, or if she can't consent, it's rape, it's assault. It's a crime. It's wrong. If I saw it happening, I was taught you have to do something about it. If I saw it happening, I speak up. If I saw it happening, I'd never blame her. I'd help her. Because I don't want to be a part of the problem. I want to be a part of the solution. We need all of you to be part of the solution. This is about respect. It's about responsibility. It's up to all of us to put an end to sexual assault. And that starts with you. Because one is too many. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to AJC Radio, where tonight we have ventured, if you will, into very unfamiliar territory, but very familiar at the same time. You would think that as we have been brought up in a society, we believe that our elected officials are those that are sent to Washington to represent the best interests of the American people, to say to their colleagues that they believe in justice, they believe in the best interests, excuse me, the best interests of all Americans. We have found tonight and through last week's show that Senator Michael Bennett is exactly a complete contradiction of that vision. Uh, He has done things, he has allowed things that really wouldn't cost very much to simply do the right thing, and in this case, with the IRP-5 and uh, Luana Banks-Clark, our beloved sister, uh, and the families that have suffered as a result of things not being done as they should be uh, in this case. And I'm going to go around really quick and get some thoughts from our our panel here uh, as we have looked into this, uh, what their thoughts are right now. Dennis. Yeah, again, I just think uh, it's politics, uh, and it's really sad that, uh, you know, like, again, I I said on the previous show, I voted for Bennett. I truly thought this man was going to go out there and was going to represent me as as an African-American, and I found out that that's not the case. It wasn't about that at all. Uh, I wish I had voted the other way, but I truly thought this man was going to do something for us. Uh, He did absolutely nothing. And then with this incident with uh, the RP6 and Luana uh, Banks-Clark, I mean, it just killed me. I mean, I'm so disappointed in him. And, again, uh, I wish I could take that vote back, uh, but, of course, I can't. But, again, uh, you know, I've learned a lot. I've I've learned what people, politicians do, and I, I learned to make sure that I really do some research 
before I make another decision on uh, in any in any way that I vote. Just yeah. that. William, you know, I, I guess um, I'm beyond disappointed. I, I mean, I, I think that's just let's just get that out of the way. I'm beyond disappointed. The fact is, is that this man has not done anything, and he's seeking the spotlight and trying to capitalize on uh, thinking he can, you know, be a president. And I don't even know why he thinks he could even do that. Uh, what makes him think he has the capability of doing that, of representing uh, a diverse country, probably one of the most diverse countries in the world. And But you don't even care, care enough to get involved, care enough to even respond to, you know, to the actions that are needed, you know, people that were reaching out saying, hey, listen, I, we need you to be our representative. So if you're not going to do it locally, you're not going to do it on a global stage. We already know that. But let, let's just cut through the crap. You know, the bottom line is this guy's a joke. And I'm not, I'm, you know, that's probably the best thing I can say about it. He's a joke. He's not going to do anything. And I'm glad that Lamont, you know, what you said, our responsibility here at, at, at uh, AJC Radio is fighting injustice. And if it's, it's, if it's sitting in a suit and tie wearing a, 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 a you know, a name that I'm senator this or representative this. You're just wrong, Well, We're coming after you. And you know what? He's wrong. People need to wake up and understand that, that everything we put out there is real. This is what's happened to us. This is what we've seen. Absolutely. Samson. Uh, I just think like right now, if the audience that's been listening in with us tonight, like if you aren't completely appalled by the actions, the underhanded dealings, and just the complete lack of regard for his constituents that Senator Michael Bennett has. If you're not appalled by all this stuff, like you need to check your own conscience. We're talking about a man who, again, used the death of high school kids to try and push his agenda. He neglected his constituents based on the color of their skin. He is culpable and contributed to the death of many people, the wrongful, continued wrongful imprisonment of, you know, the IRP-5, and just wave after wave of collateral damage to a community that is demonstrated in front of his offices, has done everything within their legal rights to demand representation, and he's done nothing. And yet here he is, you know, kissing babies. Shaking hands, thanking people for grits. <laughs> and if you think this is just, uh, just you know, our opinion or our view of Michael, Michael Bennett, I encourage you to. Uh, there's an article online on chalkbeat.org dated May 2nd, and they talk about how Michael Bennett uh, was appointed the head of the Denver school system 2005 2009. And he's using this as a, as a talking point is that he can make tough decisions. Well, his tough decision was in a district at the time that was really hurting and dis- with disparities between uh, minorities and white students and how they were given better opportunities, he decides to close. Instead of fixing a problem, he closes schools, and one was a stalwart school in the, in the community uh, of Manuel, which was a prindor- prind- uh, primarily a minority school. And his tone deafness is that He's able to make the tough decisions. And, you know, and tough decisions are easy to make when they're not your kid. 
And that's, uh-huh. and that's our point here is when we're not your constituent, he can make those tough decisions. But can he make those tough decisions when it's right, when it's for the right? And I encourage you to read that article because it'll show you his past and this and a person's past speaks to where they're going in the future. And it gives you an insight of this is a man that's going to take and do things that's going to please him, but not listen to those that it affects. No, absolutely right, Kendrick. Uh, Cliff? Yeah, I just just to re-echo what everybody has said tonight, I mean, it's appalling to, uh, especially the last article that Ken just men- mentioned, it's appalling to know that this is the history of a, a, a member of Congress and Senate ben- Senator Bennett, and then to hear him stand up and talk about uh, he advocates for the equality of all people. He's he's quoting Frederick Douglass. He's quoting Dr. Martin Luther King. I mean, true advocates for justice and civil rights and equality for all people. But yet his track record, his history, his legacy shows who he really is. That if that, that we we tell people on this show constantly, go out and vote, understand the law, know what's going on. But before you do that. Listen to the person that you're voting for or considering voting for. Look, listen to what they say, and then look at their former actions to see if it lines up. If it does not align, you know that the definition of a person that w- does one thing and says another, that's a definition of a hypocrite and a liar. Senator Michael Bennett has proven to be both those things, not because uh, it's our opinion or it's something that we read or something someone told us. We were there. He said these things to us. His actions outweighed what his words were. Therefore, we call it like we see it. And all of that, and thank you guys, uh, all of that uh, gives a clear perspective uh, of what it means to be let down by a system uh, we talk about the criminal justice system, but that that letdown within the criminal justice system comes from legislators as well, who can do something, who have the power to change laws, to make things happen. And tonight, my mind goes to Luana Banks-Clark. I do not believe you have anything more tragic than to ignore the voice of those that had something to say. LaWanna Banks-Clark was a true advocate after she had suffered and endured what she did by the criminal justice system. As an elected official, it is your job to hear from those hearts that cry out for help. LaWanna Clark came on this program and she talked about the treatment of women in prison. Senator Bennett, where were you? What notes did you take to say I will be a part of making that change? The cry from LaWanna Banks Clark was something has to be done. 
Right on the night on Senator Bennett is that he does nothing. Right now, I'd like to play for you the plea for Lawana Banks-Clark and about how women were treated in the prison she was at and definitely wrongfully in that prison, wrongfully convicted. But she had a voice and an impact. The question before I play this clip for Senator Bennett, where were you? Where are you now? Let's hear from Lawana Banks-Clark. Um, I, I heard, I've heard a lot about uh, women's prisons and, and, and different things that happen and, and what women go through. I think it's so, so horrible. Uh, I was in a prison camp for about for six months, so I, I, I know a lot of things that I hear you talking about I didn't experience, but yet there still was a lot of things that that I thought was were very, very wrong and unfair and and they were mistreated so so much, so much, just just being mistreated just because they were there. Uh, and there was a lot of women I I spoke with that were uh, shouldn't have, should never have been there either. It looks and it seems that for the most part, most of the people that are there really shouldn't be there. That's that's what you constantly ran up against. Uh, but even if even if they were supposed to be there, there's a way that we treat human beings. I don't regardless. To, to the fact that their freedom is taken away is enough. But uh, to me, they, the, the guards always treated the women as if uh, because you're in prison, you should be strong as a man is. And mm-hmm. I thought that was so stupid because I would see uh, they would have these huge, uh, huge, heavy milk uh, containers. And I mean, they I don't know what they weighed, but they had to be heavy. The men would struggle with them. And so mm-hmm. we were in the in the cafeteria one day, and this girl was trying to pick up, uh, and the guard standing there like pick this up, and she said she's trying to pick it up, she can't pick it up, and she and she wasn't a very even if she had been large, it would have been difficult, but this was this small little woman, and he's telling her pick this up, and I'm thinking, all right, you're standing right there, you're doing nothing, why can't you pick it up? And I didn't say anything, but this is what I'm thinking all the time. I'm thinking, why don't you? Just pick it up, so he he gets this attitude with her and that kind of shrugs her and gets her out the way and, and just grabs it and picks it up. I thought, well, you should have picked it up in the first place. I mean, yeah. and, and then they would work those women because I was in Arizona. It was very, very, uh, very hot. There are no words oh my to God. describe the heat. And then yeah. they they would literally go up. They would have them women out in that heat all day. Some of them that had those particular jobs were out in that heat all day. Uh, up on these roofs and doing all this hard labor and the pennies they were paying them was just atrocious. I'm thinking, but with women, I mean, regardless to the fact that women are equal uh, in, in this country as supposed to be, um, there, I mean, we are, we are not as strong as men are. The strongest of women, for the most part, are not as strong as a man is. And so, but they want to treat them like, well, you, you're not considered a female. comes from social media anyone in Colorado should know the power and benefit of decriminalization it is the only way for victims to come forward and to be protected banning web platforms forces the most vulnerable onto the streets shame on you Senator Bennett that comes from Ellie Thorne 
Smokey Quartz writes, I just figured out that Republican Senator Cory Gardner has muted me on Twitter. I have to chase him down to his feed. Democrat Senator Michael Bennett also has muted me. Apparently, they do not want to be called out for not doing their job and accepting NRA dollars. He writes again, thanks for the list. Michael Bennett is the senator, senior senior senator for Colorado. Excuse me. He is term limited. Second term started in 2016. He has turned off all response to his constituents. Flipping the bird to his constituents. Penny writes, Senator Bennett is a liar and a disgrace to Colorado and America. Senator Bennett, this comes from Josh Copeland. I tell my three children every day how you and your party of liars and thieves steals money from the future because you forced, this is a man not too happy with Obamacare. Half, he goes further, I can't even repeat that. But he uses an expletive and really just disgruntled with Senator Bennett. Then he writes again, let's get rid of Senator Bennett. He's a liar and a disgrace to Colorado and America. Let me be very clear on what I'm getting ready to say. In the world of politics, there are going to be disagreements. There will be policy differences, whether it's Obamacare, whether it's gun control, whether it's this or that. So we expect these type of dialogue. You're going to have it. But what is frightening here is that this goes beyond politics now. This goes into the homes around the kitchen table families, children. The most vulnerable of our society, not only with children, but with our seniors. This is personal. You are culpable, Senator Bennett. To every tear that was shed from the RP6 and now the RP5's families. You said here, the gentleman said here, he's muted me. He won't even respond. Senator Bennett, by his own words, said he does not like talking to Colorado constituents. What a shame. The question tonight was, where are you, Senator Bennett? I presume you're in the dressing room getting ready for your next show. I presume you are getting makeup done for your next production. That is a disgrace. Because what you should be doing as we have seen so many other members of Congress do. Get your work boots on and fight this fight for justice. So that is our issue is where were you when we needed you the most in the time of conflict in the time of war? The fight of injustice continues every single day. 
We will continue this discussion exposing the true politician, Senator Michael Bennett. Thanks to our panel. Thanks for the conversation. To all those that listened tonight, thank you very much. And remember, your vote means more now than it ever has. This is AJC Radio. We'll see you next time. I think an appellate court would do one of two things. They'd either order that the transcript be produced uh, or they'd have to reverse. You know, it would baffles me as to why anyone would deny that motion. Uh, it's inconceivable to me that a judge would say, no, you can't have the record of this trial. It's inconceivable to me in this day and age in the federal court, particularly in Colorado, by the way, which I think has sort of advanced when it comes to computers, that they don't have an alternate way uh, to maintain the, the record. And uh, the fact that the court reporter doesn't have it or hasn't typed it up, um, as everybody says, is inconceivable. So there's this record exists somewhere, uh, yes. and, and for some reason, the, they're resisting producing it, uh, I think, is a fair inference. And that's why that particular segment of the testimony of the transcript is so important, because if, if that weren't the contention and there's something missing, appellate court is liable to say, well, unless there's some prejudicial error involved, what difference does it make? But this is so critical that that's why they want it, and that's what the big fuss is about, and legitimately so.